We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is the Sacramento Bees' Chris Biederman, and we have an NFC Championship game to talk about. Ever heard of it? Before we do that, though, I want to tell you about Cooperage. Cooperage Brewing, cooperagebrewing.com. They have a brewery. It's beautiful. Great place to hang out. You can watch football there. You can eat good food there. You have a dog? Bring your dog. Dog-friendly place. Dog-friendly, good beer, good food. I don't know where else you'd ever want to hang out. That's in Santa Rosa. If you can't get to Santa Rosa, or if you go and you just have a hankering for some Cooperage beer, you can order a case. Go to cooperagebrewing.com, order a case, and they'll drop it on your front doorstep. I say it every time. It is the single best way to acquire beer. Do that now at cooperagebrewing.com or visit Cooperage in Santa Rosa. Let's get to the 49ers and Eagles NFC Championship showdown. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. dive into this this game because we talked earlier in the week about some of kind of our, our concerns for for the Niners in this one and and broke that down if you want that kind of deeper dive you can go back and listen to that pod but I want to chat about just the Niners and where they sit in the NFL hierarchy right now especially since so you can't talk about this game without talking about Brock Purdy and the question is, you know, is Purdy the starter next year, whatever it is. But either way, the Niners are in a spot where going into next year, they'll still be loaded. There'll be some different names, you know, and, and some new guys and some guys leaving in free agency. But the, the key guys are still going to be there. And there's a very strong chance that their starting quarterback is going to be making like $43. And that's every team's goal, right? Get a quarterback on a rookie contract. Well, how about a quarterback on a last pick of the seventh round rookie contract? And given what they've done already, 
three NFC title games in the last four years. The only year they 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 didn't go to the playoffs in the last four. They had injuries at the quarterback position. And it's not at the point where it's not, you know, it's not Patriots level or whatever, but it's kind of at the point where you just got to kind of pencil the 49ers in to the postseason every year going forward, right? Yeah, I mean, stuff happens. Like the 2020 season happened right after the Niners. Sure. The, the revenge tour went went terribly wrong after the Niners won the Did Super not Bowl. Go well. But yeah, I, I think just the broader the broader point here is like three NFC title games in four seasons is really like impressive and and sort of you know like when, when the Patriots were humming, when the Steelers were humming, you know, like you can go through a bunch of different teams. Like this is ultimately what you want in a franchise, right? Like if you're a fan of a team, all you could really ask for is to be playing in these games year in and year out, like to be put in a position where you are in the mix for a potential championship. And I know like everybody's, I don't know, expectation, like everybody's goal is to, is to win the Super Bowl. But you're not going to win the Super Bowl every year, but you just need to be good enough to be in the mix and maybe some things go your way and you end up winning one. Um, the 49ers don't feel like necessarily like this. This year's team doesn't feel like a dominant team in the way that 2019's that that team was like, is that team just kind of steamrolled everybody? It right. felt like through like th- this 49ers team obviously won a lot of games um, they're on this they're on this winning streak and they haven't lost a game since October, but it doesn't really feel like they're they're steamrolling everybody or it's as seamless a, as you might think. And maybe that's just because they are playing a third string quarterback, right? Like it does feel like there's a certain level of angst going into each game and it's not it doesn't feel as comfortable as maybe a lot of those 2019 wins did. But yeah, I just think like if we're zooming out on, you know, Kyle Shanahan, I, I think coming into the year or even going back a couple years, going back to 2019, like you could have a conversation where like, yeah, Kyle Shanahan's probably a top five coach. But a lot of that was sort of about like assumptions. Like we think Kyle Shanahan can coach offense or we think Kyle Shanahan is really smart. Um, and can put players in position to succeed. But what's happened over the last few years is he started to build that resume out, right? Like the fact that the 49ers are in their third NFC title game in four seasons, and it's not feeling combustible like Jim Harbaugh's scenario was when he made three straight NFC title games. Like that's, that speaks to something, just the, the overall continuity within the organization and the fact that, you know, everybody's on the same page, which obviously wasn't the case back then. But also the fact that Kyle Shanahan's been doing this without really, I mean, you could argue he's been doing it without stability at the quarterback position, right? Yeah. Like he's been like Jimmy Garoppolo was never really elite. Like he ran the offense well enough to put up, put together numbers. And like in 2019, I think he was the only quarterback in the league to be I forget what the stat was. He was the only quarterback in the league to be top five in touchdown passes, completion rate, and yards per attempt, I believe. Um, But a lot of that, especially the yards per attempt stuff, is about the efficiency within Kyle Shanahan's offense. Um, Mm -hmm. I just think we're to a point now where you have to look at the 49ers as sort of a model 
a model franchise in the NFC because, you know, before you might have argued like the Packers, the Packers were that team. They had Aaron Rodgers. He won MVPs. He, you know, Matt LaFleur went 13 and three his first, what, three seasons. Mm -hmm. You could say Sean McVay, they went to the Super Bowl against the Patriots with Jared Goff, and then they won the Super Bowl last year. Well, now they're like, they look like they're going to have to rebuild, right? Like the Rams look like they're in a bad way. Really, like the most Rams are a disaster right now. Yeah, the Rams are a disaster right now. So really, if you look around the NFC and obviously there's an element to this conversation that's like prisoner of the moment, right? Because we're about to watch them play in the NFC championship game. But you look around the NFC and just sort of the long term projection of these teams. We don't know what's going to happen with Philly. I mean, everything they're doing seems pretty sustainable at the moment. And Jalen Hurts seems like he's he's a guy that they're going to build around for a long time. But just in terms of like what going to the NFC title game means for the 49ers this year to me is, is sort of putting a stamp on the idea that, okay, this is like a model organization right now. Yeah. And like, it's kind of crazy to think that they've got to this point with all the brain drain in the coaching staff, right? Like they basically replaced their entire offensive staff this off season with Mike mm-hmm. McDaniel leaving and taking Wes Welker, the receivers coach, taking John Benton, um, the offensive or sorry, the, uh, Offensive line. Yeah. Benton was offensive line. Um, tight ends coach too. like there, there's just there. There was a massive amount of turnover on the offensive side of the coaching staff, which comes a couple seasons after, you know, losing Robert Sala, uh, the defensive coordinator, obviously now the head coach of the New York Jets. They may or may not lose D'Amico Ryans this offseason, but it doesn't feel like like there's there's any real reason to worry like you lose coaching you lose martin mayhew you lose rain carthon like two gms out of your building um are now the gms of other teams right like the 49ers are in a place where if you're a good young whether it's personnel executive or assistant coach if you're good and young and like the 49ers like you like san francisco seems like the place to be right mm-hmm. because they're churning out they're churning out coaches. They're churning out GMs. They're winning games. They seem to be, I don't know if they're necessarily like at the forefront of a lot of stuff. Like football is so cyclical in terms of like what works and what doesn't and all and, right. and the way the league changes. But like they have a forward thinking head coach. They have a roster that's as talented as any in the league. They have a lot of these, a lot of their best players under contract for a long time. Um, and even without the draft capital that they lost in the Trey Lance trade, like it doesn't feel like they're necessarily in a in a terrible way. Like when it comes to to draft picks, like needing like needing to re reinforce the roster with young guys. It's like they have a lot of dudes. And and to your point, the fact that Brock Purdy's on a seventh round pick, they're going to be able to spend and fill holes uh, that they otherwise wouldn't if they had a forty million dollar a year quarterback. So a couple things there. One. Adam Peters likes being in the organization so much. He turned down interviews to be a general manager. So, yeah, I I think that, and this is a hunch. I haven't heard this. I haven't, I've heard like murmurs of this, but you know, we talked a little bit about John Lynch, I think in the off season and the Amazon flirtation. Right. 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 I think Adam Peters is kind of ready to step in for John Lynch whenever John Lynch decides to step away. I think I don't know when that's going to be, but I kind of think that's how Adam Peters is positioning himself. Right, but but right, but Adam Peters 
would rather wait on the GM job than go interview for the job with Arizona and I think it was Tennessee. Right. That's 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 wild and just kind of speaks to what you're talking about in terms of what they've built kind of organizationally. The other thing, when you talk about the draft capital and, and what this looks like moving forward, the despite the Trey Lance deal and despite the Christian McCaffrey deal and all the picks that they unloaded there, with compensatory selections, they're going to have 10 picks this year. No. They have 10 picks in this year's draft. And granted, they're all compensatory third round and later, but when you look at Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner and George Kittle and Talanoa Hufanga and Eli Mitchell and DJ Jones, who's no longer with the team, but he was a six-round pick, like they've they've had so much success in those rounds that, man, you give them 10 shots at the dartboard, you feel pretty confident that they're going to find a couple of starters in there. Yeah. And they've done that while netting what they thought was going to be a franchise quarterback and who still might be a franchise quarterback TVD in Trey Lance and getting a weapon like Christian McCaffrey who helped them lose Debo Samuel for three games and not even miss a beat. And they still have 10 picks <laughs> in this draft. And then next year they'll have their first rounder again. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been an unbelievable job of team building kind of from the ground up. And I'm going to try and transition here. If you want to, if you want to not do that, let me know. But I do wonder though, if this game against Philadelphia is going to get us back to square one with the 49ers and what their roster looks like at the quarterback position, because after they lost to Patrick Mahomes, with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, it's like, man, you might just need one of those elite guys. And then they get housed by Josh Allen the next year in 2020. Remember when they played the Bills in Arizona? Yeah. They get housed by Josh Allen. And it was like, man, they I think you just kind of need one of those elite guys. And then even Matthew Stafford, not one of those elite, elite guys, but just a a you know big arm, really good quarterback in a good system. It's like, man, you just you gotta level up at quarterback. And that's that's why they went and got Trey Lance. Granted, Lance was on the roster last year, but they went and got Trey Lance because they 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 thought they needed one of those guys. And that's what I'm interested to see this weekend. Like, if they lose and Brock Purdy doesn't play well, are we going to get back to, man, they need to hope Lance develops or they're going to keep running into this ceiling? This ceiling where, like, okay, you go to the NFC Championship, maybe you go to the Super Bowl, but, okay, let's say they get past Jalen Hurts. Are they, are they beating Joe Burrow or are they beating Patrick Mahomes? with Brock Purdy at quarterback. Like, can they do enough offensively? And that's that's kind of what I'm interested to see because maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe everything's going to be fine, but if Jalen Hurts is just a, is just too good on Sunday and makes a couple of plays that Brock Purdy doesn't, I kind of wonder if we look at the Niners roster and go, this is all great, but man, they really need some help at quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> It's tough because it is. I don't know that there. <laughs> I, I don't know that <laughs> like web. bar barring like Brock Purdy throwing like four interceptions and looking like Nathan Peterman. I don't, I don't know do that, that like I don't know that there's going to be any type of performance on Sunday that's really going to like change my opinion of him. Like no matter what, he's a young guy who hasn't accomplished a whole lot, sure, and is 
limited physically, but just playing at a really high level. And maybe he's just going to be a guy that, you know, overcomes being six foot, 200 pounds or whatever, whatever he is. Like I've stood next to Brock Purdy and walked next to him. Like him and I are the same size and I'm like six one with shoes, right? Like, like there's Jimmy Garoppolo is a legitimate, like six, three or six, two, six, three. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is a just in stature, just a bigger person. And you don't see a whole lot of quarterbacks succeed in the NFL over the long term without physical traits, right? Like Tom Brady mm-hmm. at his peak, rocket arm, six foot five, you know, all of that. Peyton Manning, six five, um, Patrick Mahomes, freakish athleticism and and dexterity and arm talent and all that stuff. Josh Allen is just kind of like a superhero. Like it you don't always see quarterbacks overcome physical limitations in the long mm-hmm. haul. And that's kind of why I keep coming back to like the Case Keenum thing. Not the same situations, obviously, but like this, that might be what Brock Purdy is long term. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. But in terms of like what next year looks like, I just don't know that you know one bad game means that they have to find that that they need something somebody else at the quarterback. Position. No, no doubt, and I don't think that's I don't think that's necessarily the case. And maybe Brock Purdy makes some leap next year and turns out to be the guy that they need. But when you talk long term, I kind of wonder if that's going to rear its head with him. Yeah, because he is. There are physical, just kind of physical limitations. It's not a, it's not like a knock. That's just kind of what it. What it's it just is. being, yeah. It's just us being honest. And like even as he goes throughout his career, you know, he's he he moves around pretty well now. And we talk about his athleticism now. But like, is that going to be a state? Like, is Brock Purdy going to be just be kind of like Russell Wilson, like, <laughs> you know, like short but like athletic? Like, that's not that's not who he is, right? So, so I just kind of that, that's that's when you when you start to look at man that what this team is building and they they look like they're they're sustainably just kind of building a team that's churning out talent. They extend some guys and they lose some guys, but they can adequately replace them, whether it's free agency or the draft or whatever. That's the one kind of hang up I see is like, man, as good as Brock Purdy has been this year. And I think they can, I like they can win the Super Bowl. but if they don't, are we going to wind up looking in two years, three years and going, man, this team's just a quarterback away still. Yeah, probably. I mean, particularly like that, that would be the case, say like, say Joe Burrow or Pat Mahomes, or even like say Jalen Hurts just balls out and like Jalen Hurts is a guy that wins the Super Bowl. And it's, it's very clearly like, you know, I, I, I would say the, the three teams still alive that aren't the 49ers have star level quarterbacks, right? Like, would you put Jalen Hurts? We consider him a star. He, he would have probably been MVP of the league. He still might be MVP of the league this season. I need, I need another year like this one. But I mean, when you look at, he's improved as a passer all three years. Yeah. He, in the last two years has rushed for over 1400 yards and 25 touchdowns. Right. Like it's just, it's, Two years last year he was good. They go to the playoffs. This year he was excellent. They go to the playoffs. Give me one more year before I'm going to put him in the the Mahomes Burrow conversation. But he's that second tier below them to me. Yeah, yeah. So like, we're going to come back. Like if Pat Mahomes wins the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts wins the Super Bowl, you can make a reasonable case that 
you'll never win a Super Bowl without a star quarterback, or it's just going to be really hard to continuously contend without a star quarterback. Right. And ultimately, that's that's really the thinking. It's like a star quarterback essentially shrinks your margin for error, right? Like if you have a star quarterback, you might not necessarily need the best defense in the league. You might not need right. one of the best running games in the league. You can, you know, we've seen star quarterbacks carry middling rosters and bad defenses to deep playoff runs. That's sort of the difference. Like Brock Purdy doesn't have to play, doesn't have to throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns every week, right? Because the Niners have a really good defense and a really good running game. So in terms of like, if the 49ers lose, are we going to be like, man, Brock Purdy isn't enough. They need to go get another guy. It's like, yeah, but they're like three of those guys on planet earth at any given time. Yeah, That's, uh, and that's just, <laughs> that's kind of the thing. So and like that might be the case for the 49ers and 27 other teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, you could, you could definitely make that case, but they're to the point now where Brock Purdy is, is kind of, I mean, he's, he's giving him a shot. He's, they're contending with Brock Purdy. Like they're playing really good football with Brock Purdy. And that's really the only thing that matters right now. Yeah. And like I said, maybe he comes back next year and he takes that, that second year leap. And it's like, Oh, Brock Purdy is a ascending superstar. Yeah. Like, cause that's, that's, that has to be on the table given how he started this year, given when you look at how Josh Allen started his career and how Lamar Jackson started his career and even Jalen Hurts started his career. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is a, is an alien. He's a, he's a different person over here he threw 50 touchdowns on this first year as a starter. But yeah. when you look at all those other guys and how they started and kind of where they're at, it's like, Oh, maybe there's a leap for Brock Purdy to take, but that's where kind of the physical limitations come in. It's like, how much better just can he, physically get right and it doesn't yeah i agree with that and one thing too that i think that is an overwhelmingly positive thing with brock purdy's ascension is that it's not really gimmicky right it's not it's not like oh man they were running alex smith's offense and now they're running the zone read and nobody knows how to defend them right right like this is this is like no he's running the breadth of kyle shanahan's offense they're doing a little bit of everything it's not like he has, I mean, he has some tendencies, sure, but it's not like he's do, he's just doing the only, like he's good at one thing and the Niners are just doing that one thing, one or two things, and he's doing that. It's like, no, he's running the breadth of arguably the best schematic offense in the league. Yeah. So that is, that's the most encouraging thing, I think, from a sustainability standpoint. Like this isn't RG3 in 2012 where it's like, oh man, you know, teams are going to teams are going to react to the zone read. And, and how's Robert Griffin going to adjust? It's like, no, this looks sustainable because Brock Purdy's running are like a really, really good offense. So mm-hmm. and making reads and making throws to all three levels of the field and being good on third down um, and all that. So that, I think, is the most encouraging part of it. But you just never know in the league. And, and one right. one final point. Man, if you're like upset about the Trey Lance trade and like, oh, man, it really didn't work out. Just pretend that they traded all those picks for Brock Purdy. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, that's how it works. It's like it traded all those picks. Two years later, they got they got really good quarterback play. That's all that matters. Honestly, that like we can talk it. Oh, they totally failed, and that was a bad process. And Trey Lance is a bad. Well, you know what? They traded the picks to get good quarterback play, and now they're getting good quarterback play. So you know, maybe it's a wash. <laughs> and I understand the idea of like, he, okay, maybe you don't get a quarterback, but. Maybe you you get Patrick Sertan or who I I forget exactly who is available with with their picks, but Micah Parsons. Okay, you're, you're at Micah Parsons, good player, <laughs> decent little player. 
No, and and I I understand like that that argument, and I'll and I'll take that. But I also they did not know they were going to get this from Brock Purdy, and right. it looked like Jimmy Garoppolo was out the door, and he would have been had he not injured his shoulder. Like it it was it looked like they were going to need something a quarterback. So I I think I mean would the Niners if you gave the Niners the chance to rewind and do it again with the benefit of hindsight. I they don't make the move, I don't think. But that said, I I get the process. And I actually like that process from them. And again, this is not Trey Lance might still be good. That's still on the table. But what we know right now and where we sit on Thursday, January 26th, they took a swing for a player that they thought could be one of those top five guys. And it may bear itself out that, yep, you need to do that. If you were going to get over the hump, you're going to at some point have to take swings. And not wild swings. They took a calculated swing. They traded first-round picks in a in a spot in their roster building where they did not necessarily need to add first-round picks to contend. And all they've done since that trade has gone to two NFC Championship games. So, like I said, I, if benefit of hindsight, I bet they don't do it. But... I don't think they're going to. And there are, there will be people telling us like, man, if you had Patrick Sertan on this team, had all those, like, yeah, we hear that obviously like that, that definitely makes sense in that tracks. But to the, the fact that they lost all that draft capital and are still in a position where they are, they do have one of the best rosters in the league is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. Right. Like they whiffed on Solomon Thomas and Ruben Foster. And yet, still have one of the best defensive lines and linebacker groups in the league, right? Yeah. They, they, I don't want to say they whiffed on Javon Kinlaw, but that pick is not paying off dividends at this point. I'll say it; they whiffed on Javon. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not that he can't be like a rotational player and just ha- have a long career, but when you're picking a defensive tackle thirteenth, you need that guy to be dominant, and he hasn't been. And yeah, I mean the process was pretty. It seems pretty flawed now, given that his knee was flagged by just just about everybody in the league and the Niners still took a shot and it's not working out. Anyway, I do want to point out because I told Nick this Nick Wagner, our favorite cast member um, when I was in Santa Clara on Wednesday. It's like we're going to aggregate you because he has a bunch of stats and I've been sort of looking for these, um, but just hadn't compiled them all together yet. Uh, Nick should get a cut of this podcast at this point. Mm, I don't want to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's doing fine. Not um, until he starts putting his TV hits on Instagram reels. Right, right. Nick's Nick's on Nick's going on Sports Center quite frequently. He doesn't need us. Um, so Niners are eight and zero with Purdy starting. This is from Nick's. Nick wrote about Brock Purdy this week, and you know the likelihood of him being the full time starter beyond I this thought, season. I thought Brock Purdy being eight and zero as a starter was your first stat, and I was like, wow. No, no, no. For you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, QBR his his 66 QBR in in those eight games, fifth in, in the NFL. Uh, completion rate 68.3 is fifth in the league. Uh, passing yards per game 12th, uh, 8.12 yards per attempt second, and then his 13 touchdown passes are tied for first, and his three interceptions tied for the fourth fewest. Just so just over the last eight weeks, including the Dolphins game when he came in for Jimmy Garoppolo in the first in the first half of that game. Um, Niners are scoring 31.75 points per game. First in the NFL. Pretty good. 
Um, I don't know what this stat is, but it's a 77.18 ESPN offensive efficiency stat. I don't know what that means, but they're first in it. It's ESPN's offensive efficiency stat. Okay, thank you. Um, Expected points added 70.75 is first and yards per play is second. Um, So before Purdy stepped in, according to Nick, the Niners ranked 15th, 7th, 12th, and 6th in those categories. So they were more or less kind of like a middling offense uh, before Brock Purdy became the starter. And now it's effectively, you can make a case, the best offense in the NFL, which is bananas. Well, and it's not. And when you look (laughs) at like completely bananas, he's a little more efficient throwing the ball down the field, which has helped. But it's not like he's it's not like they're going bombs away. It's not like he's throwing half of his passes 20 plus yards down the field. Well, he's not turning the ball over. Exactly. That was always the thing with Jimmy. Yeah. It's like, man, this offense would take a leap if he would just eliminate the negative plays, throw the ball away now and then. And he started to do that. Uh, like he started to, to, to play better before he got hurt. But Purdy has just done that from, from day one. It's throwaways. It's avoiding sacks. It's, it's not doing, it's not necessarily what he, what he does that Jimmy couldn't do. It's what he doesn't do that Jimmy did. He's, he's doing a lot of the similar like efficiency things that Jimmy Garoppolo did. Yeah. He's making plays outside the structure of the offense that Jimmy Garoppolo never could. He's throwing the ball away in scenarios where things aren't there, which Jimmy Garoppolo hardly ever did. And he's not turning the ball over, which Jimmy Garoppolo did pretty frequently. So all of that, I think, like, just makes a huge difference. Like, the, I think yeah. the reason the reason why people like Jimmy Garoppolo and like, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a fine quarterback. Any given day, he's the 10th to 20th best quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. When Jimmy Garoppolo is efficient and accurate, he's got a quick release on time, on target. It looks really good when the play breaks down. It's a disaster. And when. You know, there are even times when, you know, he just makes throws over the middle of the field. It's like you didn't. What what are you even looking at? Right. Right. And we're just not getting those bad things from from Brock Purdy, which sort of speaks to the idea like Kyle Shanahan just wants a guy to run his offense. It's like run the offense. Just do what you're supposed to do. We're talking about throwaways. Jimmy Garoppolo in 328 dropbacks threw it away four times. Career high, four times. Brock Purdy in 254 dropbacks, so 70 fewer dropbacks, has thrown it away 11 times. Yeah. And year after year, when you look at that that stat throwaways, like up there at the top, like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and like all these guys that, hey, get rid of the football, take a neutral play, live to fight another down, don't get in second or third and long, don't take a sack. And he's done a really nice job of that. And it feels like a bunch of those throwaways have been like escaping pressure, spinning out, like being way out of control. And like the play looks right. like a f- disaster, but he's just, he's just, just incomplete. Live to fight it. Live to yep. see another play or fight another down or whatever. He like has, it. they have, he and, he and Garoppolo have the exact same touchdown to interception ratio, 16 to four. Jimmy completes a couple more percent of his throws, but that's this season. 67.1, right? That's this year. Yeah. Um Purdy in 
set oh boy math on the fly 78 fewer attempts um has thrown for about 500 fewer yards uh but the yards per attempt is is half a yard higher his a dot is eight compared to 70 compared to 7.3 for garoppolo christian mccaffrey 30.0 a dot stretch the field The yeah. one pass to Brennan—that's the joke. Anyways, um, no, he just there's 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 a lot of things that that Garoppolo would would have negative plays that Purdy just doesn't do, and yeah. it's been helpful. Very helpful. Very very helpful. Um, you want to talk about the football game and get to our Cooper six pack? All right, it's Cooper's six-pack. Perhaps the last one of the year. Maybe the last one of the year. Are you getting nostalgic? I even th- yeah, I didn't even think about that till right now. Well, it's at least second to last. That that could have been the case last week and the week before, but I just didn't really think the, the 49ers were going to lose. This week, they could definitely lose. How wild would it have been if they lost to the Seahawks? Very wild. <laughs> I think the way I think the way we talk about Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan might might be a little bit different, dramatically different. <laughs> yeah, they just face planted in the first round for sure. But the Geno's, Eagles, I think, is Geno but, Smith the next guy? That would have been a conversation for sure. Is Geno elite? That would have been the car. Is some team going to give Geno Smith fifty million dollars this offseason? <laughs> Is D'Amico Ryan's fraudulent? Oh, wow. Yeah, that would have been a talking point. But they didn't. They kicked the shit out of the Seahawks. So, yeah, that's what happened. Um, okay, so Cooper Sixpack, three players for each of us that, that we think are going to define or have the biggest impact on Sunday's NFC Championship game in Philadelphia. I believe I pick first this time. Okay. I'll take your I word think- for it. I don't. I definitely won last week. I probably took Nick Bosa or something. First, I picked so. second last week for sure. Okay. Um, I'm going to start this week with because this is not necessarily the best players. It's the players that we think need to have a have a good game, and I think you can go chalk for sure. But I'm choosing not to go chalk this week, um, because there are several concerns that I have for the 49ers. And one of them is Jalen hurts penchant for completing deep throws. So I'm picking Tayshawn Gibson. Tayshawn Gibson needs to be really good on Sunday, like the best game he's played. And he's a veteran player, been in the league for a long time. Has done an okay job at free safety for the Niners this year, but it's not a coincidence that they moved Jimmy Ward to the slot and suddenly they have a hard time defending deep shots in a way that they really never have before. So I think that that's something that the Eagles are going to try and pick on. And I think he just needs to have a really, really solid game and not let Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, to a lesser extent, get loose down the field. Yeah, it's a good pick. Um, It seems like... 
I mean, we've made this point over and over again, and, and we can talk, we can think back to what AJ Brown did against the 49ers in Tennessee last year. Mm. For whatever reason, I mean, I guess it's not, it's not rocket surgery to say that like, well, elite, elite receivers really hurt the 49ers in a substantial way. Right. Like, yeah, they're elite for a reason. Right. Um, so, yeah, you potentially have two of those guys in Devontae yeah. Smith and and uh, and Brown. So, yeah, I'm, I like that pick. Um, I am probably going to go chalk. And this is something that I've sort of wrestled with in terms of like philosophy philosophy football philosophical conversations i i talked to a, a player on offense about this today and just ran this idea by him because i've said it a few times on the pod like in terms of stopping the run i think that's something like if you're generally not good at it or if the stats say you're sort of mediocre at it that's one thing as a defense you can do like in a given week, be like, all right, we're, we need to devote resources to stopping the run. We're going to stop the run this week. That's a hell of a lot easier, in my opinion, than being like, OK, we're going to stop the pass. <laughs> right. Because it, it's sure. it's a whole lot more complicated. There's so many different ways you can orchestrate the passing game. Whereas the running game, it's like. No matter it, no matter what, if you devote more resources to plugging gaps and put more guys in the box, then more likely than not, you're going to be better at stopping the run. And that's kind of what, like, that conversation is what I'm grappling with with the Eagles because, you know, if you look at just the raw numbers, they're allowing 4.7 yards per carry, which is 24th in the league. Mm-hmm. And does that is that really an indicator that, like, oh, the Niners are going to have no problem running on them? Like, I don't know, man. That defensive line is still really talented. And, Mm -hmm. you know, those linebackers are so pretty good. And the Eagles have to be of the mind that they're going to devote more resources to stopping the run in this game, because if they don't stop the run, then the Niners offense is essentially going to do whatever it wants. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pick Christian McCaffrey for all this, uh, for all these reasons, because (laughs) a lot, a lot of words say you're taking the best offensive player. Yeah, I mean, well, and he's hurt. I mean, he's dealing with a calf injury. He missed the first two practices of this week. As of Thursday, he said he was playing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm expecting him to play, obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't have picked him. But um, I just think, like, you know, there's conversation like, oh, the Niners are just going to run all over the Eagles. And they might. But I'm expecting the Eagles to watch what the Cowboys did very closely. Watch the Cowboys defensive tackles prevent the 49ers interior of the offensive line get up to the second level with any level of consistency. And that to me is going to define the game. Like if the 49ers can run the ball efficiently, they're going to win. If Mm -hmm. the Eagles force the 49ers into a lot of third downs where they're where they have to pass and they're taking away play action because the running game's not all that effective then I think the Eagles are going to win. So I'm picking Christian McCaffrey because I think it's obviously the biggest game of his career. Um, and, you know, if if he has a big game, it's really hard to envision the 49ers losing. I'm going to piggyback off of that. And I think that it is a, I think it's a really good pick. But I also think one of the things the 49ers are going to have to do to combat Philly's defensive line is a lot of screens. Jimmy Garoppolo threw nine screen passes in week two last year against mm. Philly. And that's I think good, it's going to be a lot of That's a good stat. Um, thanks. Look at you. I looked it up. 
on the internet. So, <laughs> so there's a lot of quick passes. I think 23 of his 30 throws were within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. That includes the screen passes. So I think we're going to see more of that this week because Philly's defensive line was really good last year too. And who have we seen both Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy rely on in those spots? It's Christian McCaffrey. So I, I really like the McCaffrey pick, not only for everything you said on the ground, but I think he's going to matter a lot for the air as well. Yeah. My second pick, and again, I'm not this week. I'm trying to go no chalk. We'll see how my third pick goes. I think the Niners are going to have to lean a lot on Jawan Jennings for a couple of reasons. <laughs> the Jawan Jennings game is coming. Third, third and Jawan. So, okay, so we'll start there. I have, I have a couple different things. So one, <laughs> I think the Niners are going to be in third and eight plus a lot. And Jawan Jennings is a guy that they'll go to in those spots. Third and Jawan, if you haven't heard, is his nickname. So I think they're going to go to him a lot in those spots. But I also think like Debo Samuel, for all the things he's good at, not a great separator. And James Bradbury and Darius Slay, the the Eagles' two corners, are both pretty good. I could see a scenario where Debo Samuel just has a hard time getting open. And then on the other side, Brandon Ayuk, I think that's great. He might be able to get open against those guys, but how long does it take for that route to develop? And can Brock Purdy sit there in the pocket and wait for him to come open? Which leaves Juwan Jennings. And I think that there's going to be a couple times where Purdy's got to get rid of it and Juwan Jennings is there because Juwan Jennings has created separation against whichever number three cornerback is covering him or linebacker or safety or or whatever the alignment is. I could just see Juwan Jennings just kind of have a, having a sneaky big game where he goes like four or five catches for 50 or 60 yards. If the 49ers uh, do go on to win, I, I think that they're going to need a little bit more from Juwan Jennings than they've been getting. I like it. Uh, one of one of Nick and I's favorite bits. I don't know if I don't know if he's if he's super thrilled that sometimes I reveal our bits on the pod, but like when we're watching games together, we'll just say like first in Juwan or second in Juwan before That's plays. So funny, <laughs> just just because you know that everyone calls him third Juwan. We just yeah, or first in Ayuk, and then Ayuk catches yeah. a pass. And yeah, anyway, um, I'm gonna go with Good George pick, Kittle. Guys. I'm going to go with George Kittle. Okay. Um, I think this is going to be the postseason where like, okay, George Kittle has put his stamp on it. Okay. Right. Because as good as George Kittle's been throughout his career, you know, coming into last week, he had never, he had one playoff touchdown and his leading his the most yards he's had in a, in a game was I think 64 in green Bay. Um, and then last week that j- the juggling catch he had was, was the play of the game. There were a number of other big catches that he made. I think Brock Purdy relies on George Kittle in a way that's a little bit different than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and I think Kittle is more of that sort of safety blanket. Whereas it's sometimes, sometimes it felt like Jimmy just, I don't know, Jim, Jimmy just struggled to get the ball to, to Kittle in a yeah. lot of games where it felt like, man, they could really use a big George Kittle performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at the middle of the defense, whether it's TJ Edwards or, you know, Cha- Chauncey Gardner Johnson, like I-, I just think there are opportunities there for George Kittle to win a lot of those matchups. 
And to your point on like Brandon Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel, it might be that those guys get, get clamped on pretty hard, right? Because if the mm-hmm. Niners are winning outside, then that sets up everything else. If, if they can isolate George Kittle, if they can run the ball well, utilize play action and get George Kittle open, um, I think that could be huge for them. And I think Kittle is going to have moments where it's like, okay, it's a big third down in the fourth quarter. Like Kittle's third George. Third and George. Exactly. Kittle, there's a real good chance that Kittle ends up being that guy, particularly in the red zone, too. Like George yeah. Kittle's probably their best red zone target right now. Um, so for that reason, I'm I'm picking him. Okay. I dig the pick. And yeah, he had a big game last week, but he didn't it wasn't like a he didn't have a touchdown. And I I the fact that that juggling catch came on a play where he wasn't even supposed to be in out and route. Right. And he just improvised and Purdy found him. I think there's gonna be a lot of safety blanketing on on Sunday. And and if Kittle's that guy, it seemed having like ten or eleven targets. I like the I like the selection. Um, my last one's a little chalky. If the 49ers are going to win, I'm going to take everything you said about Christian McCaffrey and the Niners running the ball. I think it might be a heavy Debo run game where they just try and get downhill and push the Eagles around a little bit. Not saying it'll be super successful, but a guy like Hassan Reddick, for example, he had 17 sacks or whatever it was this year. He's really good on the edge, but he also missed a ton of tackles. So, I could see the Niners trying to get Debo Samuel one-on-one on the edge with a guy like Hassan Reddick and just saying, hey, tackle Debo Samuel in space. Make the Eagles tackle Debo Samuel. Not a lot of teams have a ton of success doing that as it is. And the Eagles have, have struggled at times with, with that this year, with tackling. So I think they're going to figure out ways to get Debo Samuel the ball, whether it's in the run game or on quick throws, those, you know, extensions of the run game, little pop passes, uh, which are completions. So, um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think we're going to get a, like, Oh, Kyle Shanahan's in his bag type of game. And I think that's going to involve a lot of Debo Samuel being used in ways that we saw him used last year and not as much this year. Is Debo going to throw a pass? Oh, I'm gonna. Mm. What are the betting odds that Debo Samuel throws a pass in this game? Yes, would be probably plus like fifteen hundred. Yeah, I was gonna. My guess would have been plus eighteen hundred. Yeah, I would. That might be fun to sprinkle a little bit on. I get a little taste <laughs> of that. <laughs> but I, man, is it like a, like a it, non a non one? Does a non quarterback throw a pass? Right. The odds on that are probably like plus eight fifty. But Debo specifically, you got to increase the odds a little bit more. Yeah, no, no doubt. Because no, Jawan Jennings I mean, could throw a pass. Dude, third and Jawan? <laughs> could Jawan Jennings throw a pass to Jawan Jennings on third down? That'd be tough. Does Jawan Jennings throw a second down pass, incomplete it deliberately so he can get a third down reception? Classic third and Jawan. No, I, uh, I, I just... It feels like there's going to be a little bit of a rock fight element to this, a little bit of a fist fight element to this. And I don't know who in the NFL you want your team more than Debo Samuel in a game that's going to be like that. Yeah. 
Tone setter. Okay. Set tone. I could go a lot of different directions here. Jordan Mason. Nope. You're you done picking. You don't get a fourth pick. Damn it. You left me Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, Robbie Gold. Might have arguably was the MVP of the, the Cowboys game. Low key. Um, Ray Ray McLeod. I'm going Mooney Ward because I think I like. I mean, it's this is one of those like Nick Bosa not getting picked is is wild, but I'm doing this more for the talking point because well, and bro, okay, hey, here Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa's good at football. (laughs) All right, thanks. Back to you. Best player on the field. I'm picking him. Um, no, Mooney Ward, because of what we've talked about with AJ Brown and, and Devonte Smith, like it's just imperative that they cover those guys downfield. And if Mooney Ward ends up having a big game in terms of limiting what those guys do on the outside and down the field, I mean, I feel like his his signing has already been justified and has already proven to be like a really good signing, particularly at that value. For sure. But this is where it's like, all right, that one of the best signings of the offseason full stop, like throughout the yeah. league, if Mooney Ward ends up being like a big time player in this game. Yeah. So I'm picking him for that reason, because if Mooney Ward has the game that he had against DK Metcalf in the playoffs, the 49ers might have a really hard time winning this game. Yeah, if Mooney Ward plays against AJ Brown like he did against DK Metcalf in the Thursday game in December when he was excellent and DK was basically a non-factor in the game, then the 49ers have a much better chance at winning. Like I don't know, I like if it's a shootout or if Philadelphia ends up scoring 30 plus points and both their receivers have like 150 yards. I just don't know that the 49ers are winning that version of that game. Right? Like the 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 most likely version of this game that the 49ers that ends in the 49ers winning is them holding Philadelphia to like 17 or 20 points. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Philadelphia needs like the Philadelphia can't score more than 24 points in this game. I, I don't think. I, 20 23 was the number that I had circled. Oh, okay. We can debate that, I guess, off air. Over um, under 23 and a half, your thoughts. <laughs> but because I just don't see the 49ers scoring like 30 points in Philadelphia. And maybe they do if they get like a special yeah, sure. teams touchdown or a, like a, a defensive touchdown or something. Sure. But to me, for them to win, it's going to be cold. Um, You know, like this is a game where the Niners are not going to score a ton of points. So I think it's upon it's it's on the defense to, to limit them. And I'm taking Mooney Ward. Okay. I'm going to do something different that we never do. Well, we've all, we've each already picked. I, no, I don't like your pick. (laughs) We just always, we just always like, yeah, I like that. Um, no, I, I want to go back to the Nick Bosa thing. So the reason I didn't pick Nick Bosa is because I think the defensive line is going to need to be like a group effort type of game. Like Nick Bosa is not going to go in and just wreck the game by himself. Philly's offensive line is too good. That that offense is too well coached. So 
Is I don't it? think Nick Bosa. Yeah, I don't think Nick Bosa is just going to go in and it's just going to be like, wow, Bosa had ten pressures and just it's going to be Eric Armstead clearing it out and then running a game up front and Bosa getting through. Um, can Samson Abukam get around the corner once or twice? Um, I I think it's going to be an all hands on deck kind of game, and I just if Nick Bosa has a sack or two, awesome. But it's going to take a lot more than that on the defensive line, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and like just it, setting the edge in the run, like the entire defensive, like when they go designed quarterback run, especially if it's a read option, I, I, that's that could that could swing the game. Like if it's a if it's a second and long, and they go read option, and Jalen Hurts turns it into a third and shorter or first down, I mean that could be that could be a killer. How many big plays can you just off the top of your head think of? that the 49ers gave up when controlling the edge. Like, big runs through the middle of the defense. Almost never. Never. So, like, the most important thing they do defensively in the running game is set the edge. Because if you you create angles for the linebackers, it's just not going to be a successful running play. Nope. But the most successful plays... Yeah, and the most successful plays particularly like in quarterback, when the quarterback breaks contain, it's like when it's outside, when the quarterback gets outside the edge. Yeah. I'm interested to see their pass rush. If they do what they tried to use, what they, what they used to do with Russell Wilson, where you rush, but it's like, you're trying to just keep the pocket, stay in your lane, not let him get outside. And and Jalen hurts. I, I think can, can beat a team as a pocket passer, but it's definitely for me where it's like, he's least effective. Sure. Um, so I went to King's practice and I was just trying to see if Mike Brown would say something about football. Mike Brown, the King's coach is not a football guy. He's like, who's playing? I was like, hilarious. Like, didn't I had to tell him? And then, and then, uh, it got mentioned that I have a football podcast. So then he pulled me into the shot, into the middle of the scrum where, and all the cameras are pointed on me. And he's like, who are you taking Sunday? And so I, I said, well, since it's Niners podcast and there might be, I don't know if anybody's published a clip. Hopefully not. Um, Sean Cunningham, if you're listening, please don't post a clip. But I picked the Niners. Sean, and... definitely post that clip if you're listening. <laughs> the... He's already in Philadelphia. Um, God, I love Sean. Yeah, Sean's a man. Um, so Sean I already Cunningham. picked the 49ers. So I feel like we have to, like, this is a big enough game where I feel like we kind of have to give picks at the end. I'm picking the 49ers not because I think they have a better resume or are the better team. I think Philly's the better team. But I've mentioned it a few different times. Like Upsets happen in these situations a lot. And I do think the 49ers benefit from being sort of the quote-unquote underdog, particularly given I think they have an advantage in coaching on both sides of the ball and an advantage just inherently in experience. Mm. And like home field advantage is a big deal for the Eagles and maybe it's just a buzzsaw and, and you know, the Eagles go up two scores quickly and the Niners never recover. But if it gets close, I think the fact that it's in Philadelphia could work against the Eagles and hmm. that you get lemon booty syndrome, you get, you get, you know, the, the, this weird feeling in the stadium where like, man, this crazy season is, uh, could end right here. Like there's so the much momentum at the hands of Brock Purdy. Right. Like I, I experienced that at, at the 2011 NFC championship game mm-hmm. in the crowd when Kyle Williams dropped those two punts. 
same right like it was a dramatically different experience than than the saints game a couple weeks earlier right yeah so i just think that um i think the 49ers are i think the talent level is about equal i think the eagles pose more problems than any team the 40 the 49ers have faced this year but i think they're just battle tested and are gonna make plays that that just get them over the top. Like they I just think they're more, I trust them more than the Eagles and maybe I'm being a Homer. Um, and maybe it's just cause I haven't seen the Eagles do it yet. And maybe they will, but I'm picking the Niners for that reason. Let's say 20 to 17. So you make some really compelling points, especially the one about coaching. The other thing I can't get out of my head is what you said about the 49ers locker room vibe after they beat Dallas. And it was very much just like, okay, on to the next one. Like, great, playoff win, cool. But they're still very much. The Eagles have been celebrating their divisional playoff win over the Giants like they won the Super Bowl. And you had Nick Sirianni on the sideline doing all the weird shit he was doing, like flexing and like posing for the camera and stuff. when he knew the camera. It, was, it was weird. I went back and watched that game today. The Giants were so bad. It was alarming. So I didn't even take it. I'm not even doing the like, wow, the Eagles are rolling and the Niners really struggle. I threw that game out. Yeah. I got through the first half and quit. I legitimately stopped watching. Yeah. And in half a condensed game, I watched 12 minutes of it or whatever it was. The Niners are better prepared having had that game against Dallas than the Eagles are playing that bad Giants team. So that's so that's the other thing. The 49ers started to figure out how to deal with a defensive line that was just kind of kicking the interior of their offensive line's ass. And they had to make that adjustment on the fly. So I think it's it's good that they had that experience in the divisional round. So that's a, a point where, where I lean Niners. The reason I'm taking the Eagles is, one, my mental health. Two, um, what does that mean? <laughs> the don't worry about it. The um, the the Eagles' two biggest strengths to me are the 49ers' two biggest weaknesses. Yes, that's a good point. And it's the interior of their of the Eagles' defensive line, and just the they're the they're like nine guys deep on the defense. It's unreal how good they are. And that's a problem for an interior offensive line like the 49ers. It's been okay this year, but the Eagles are just going to throw elite dude after elite dude at them for four quarters. And I don't know if you can combat that often enough to to have a, a good game offensively. Maybe this and is the, the other- game where that, that rotation at right guard really pays off. <laughs> their their heads are spinning it whether it's going to be Burford or Brunskill. <laughs> so the other the other thing is Jalen Hurts is one of the best deep ball throws in the league, and the 49ers have been terrible at defending that. And we talked about this in our in our in our pod that came out. I think it was on Tuesday. But the the Niners have just really struggled in that area, and in a game that I think is going to be pretty close, it's like. Man, who do I see making a big play? And it's it's 
you got to look at what Jalen Hurts has done this year with Devontae Smith and with A.J. Brown. And ultimately, it comes down to quarterback play, right? And I think Brock Purdy's been really good. And he's probably going to be the starter next year. And I look at it and go, who do I trust to make a big play for their team in a close game? And you just got to kind of look at the body of work from Jalen Hurts this year and and say it's Jalen Hurts. So that's why I'm taking the Eagles. But I'm less confident in that pick now than I was three days ago. Yeah, I, I think, look, the Eagles to me are the very clear favorite. Like, I, I can't, there's no, you know, my pick is mostly about intangible stuff. Right. Sure. Right. There's no, like, yeah, I, I just, I, I this is the most difficult game I think the 49ers have had since the, since the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Wow. I mean, except for week seven against the Chiefs. Yeah, but I mean, that's that wasn't like a must-win, do-or-die game. Yeah. Like, this game is much more difficult than the Rams game. Yeah, no doubt. Without question. Because the Niners own the Rams. And it was in LA, and there were 70% Niners fans. Like, Yeah. So. All right. Well, it's going to be fun. It's a fascinating game. I'm going to be watching from a hotel in Minnesota. Minnesota? Minnesota. Definitely won't be outside. There's not there's not really an outcome from Sunday. I don't think the Niners are gonna get blown out. That would surprise me. Yes. But other than that, I think any outcome's on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Subscribe, rate, and review. Maybe go watch at Cooperage. Cooperage is a great place to watch football, by the way. Do that. I won't be doing that, but Oh, you'll be in the lab. But listeners, are, oh, dude, I'm gonna be so deep in the lab. Yeah, just like, are you you're bringing the Duffy to the lab, right? No, the lab is in the Duffy. Bro. Oh, okay. Come on, okay. Come on, All right. Great. It's in my uh-huh. book bag. <laughs> in my backpack. Great. Um. All right. Well, we'll see. Bye. Goodbye. We'll talk we to sure you guys will. later. It's my favorite way to end a podcast. And how this game goes, we'll see. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.